0: Hey everyone, welcome to Guards of Eden. Today's guest is Tiffany Philippou. I've been a fan of Tiffany through her podcast primarily, which she co-hosts with a previous Guards of Eden guest in Anna Rado, and the podcast is called Is This Working? They cover a bunch of topics around the workplace environments, whether that's their previous experience in employed work or their current work where they're both freelancers. And then I also discovered through the podcast that Tiff's newsletter, which is called the Tiff Weekly. She covers a bunch of amazing topics, and I believe she provides just a phenomenal insight and this really thought provoking approach to life. And it's something that I've really appreciated. I've enjoyed the writing, I've enjoyed what it's given me in terms of, yeah, just different perspectives on different topics. And that's something that really was consistent through this conversation. Tiffany's got this amazing mind. I tell her that in the episode, but. I love the way that her mind works, I love the way that she perceives challenges and we cover all things starting from her childhood in North London and as she's now at the stage where she's on the precipice of releasing her memoirs. I'm extremely excited for you guys to hear this conversation. I cannot recommend Tiff's newsletter enough, I can't recommend the podcast enough. Please go check out the show notes and go and show her some love. Uh, once again, I'm just extremely privileged and feel like a great sense of honor to have had the conversation with Tiff, and she was extremely gracious with her time, her energy, and yeah, it's a com- it made for a conversation I'm really proud to share with you guys. So, without further ado, three, two, one, let's go. Hey Tiff, how are you?
1: Hi, Luca. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me.
0: No, thank you for making the time. I um, I caught a bit of it earlier, but you were on Instagram and I was like, oh God, I feel like I've stitched her up and got her talking on a day. She's already doing talky stuff, but um, I'm super happy to be talking to you. Uh,
1: that's all good. I'm actually a bit of an extrovert. So once I start talking, my energy pumps up. So it's good for me to do it all in one day. So all good. Oh, I love it. Pleasure. Lo- <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. My first question is, Tiff, can you give us a song that reminds you of a happy memory or simply makes you feel good? Because I have a Spotify playlist, which is the Guards of Eden soundtrack. And that is where each guest gives me a contribution. And it's just a feel good playlist. But um, yeah, can you give us a song that makes you feel good or has a positive memory to it?
1: Yeah, for me, it's got to be Edward Sharp and Magnetic Zero's Home.
0: Ooh, I like it.
1: (laughs) It's just, it was like the soundtrack of my 20s. Um, It reminds me of my friends, festivals. Um, Yeah, it's just, that was just the one that popped into my head. And there's just so many memories of that song. Um, And I'd never get bored of it. And there's a romance to that song that really pulls on my heartstring. Um, So I love it.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. So the Spotify playlist is in the show notes for anybody that does want to check it out. And thank you very much, Tiff. I love it. Um, so, Tiffany, how do you remember your childhood and what was a young Tiffany who like growing up?
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing that pops into my mind is just getting in trouble. I think that was the main <laughs> narrative of my youth. Um, not in, like, a cool way. Like, I'm talking, like, when I was in nursery um, and they actually wanted to expel me, I think. So from a very young age authority and me were not good friends um and I didn't like being told what to do uh I didn't really you know if things didn't make sense to me I wouldn't want to do them um so I definitely sort of yeah I think that's my main memory is just teachers being pissed off at me um but, but yeah that that's definitely just the recurring theme of my childhood um but yeah, I grew up in North London, it was quite nice, had an older sister. Um, so yeah, had a had a had a good childhood, but yeah, just co- kept pissing people off.
0: Yeah, well, that sounds um, a little like m- myself, I think. The idea especially of being, if something doesn't make sense, really honing in on that and not letting it go, I think for me anyway, was a big thing. But um, yeah, it sounds a bit like me actually.
1: Well yeah once you start talking to people that you kind of relate to or you like their work you realize there's parts of their way of being and their history that you connect with yeah because i've i've i hear because it was an issue that took me into work times as well and um just not accepting authority without it having proven its worth and and a lot of people have said oh i i have that problem at work too and it's just nice to know that i'm not alone in that so yeah
0: yeah yeah you're definitely not alone even in this conversation um and one thing that i guess is like really followed you i'd imagine would be the idea of storytelling i think just in my experience people that are into storytelling it feels like it's something that's very innate or it's something that's very just instinctual people have a desire that to tell stories or be in the realm of storytelling and I was wondering, was that the case for you in terms of, was storytelling, because you are a fantastic storyteller, and I'm you know, i subscribed to your newsletter, I love the way you tell stories on the podcast, which you'll cover, but you are a fantastic storyteller, and I was wondering if it was something that you kind of grew up with a passion for, or was it something that, kind of as you grew older and just lived life a bit more, it was something you somewhat discovered? Was it something that you discovered later on or was it something you always had a passion for?
1: I don't know. I certainly have always enjoyed talking to people and maybe performing a little bit. Um, And um, I've always enjoyed engaging with stories. But I would say it was only in the last few years or so that I proactively decided that I wanted to dedicate myself to the telling of stories since I became more interested in the art of storytelling and the role they play in humanity in our lives. Um, so it's hard to say consciously or subconsciously, but there's definitely, it's interesting what you say about that innate innate ability to tell stories. I'd never really thought of that before, but definitely with regards to my memoir, that was like a story that sort of was like, I was desperate to tell. It was almost like a hunger. So in that sense, I think we do have stories within us that we're just desperate to tell Um, and that is something that almost feels magical or spiritual or outside of our own control or strategic way of being yeah
0: yeah that's really interesting I think it's one of those things it's I don't know what it is but I think even the way you tell stories on the podcast I you've got a great way of not only verbalizing it but also being able to produce it in written form which is one reason I'm very excited for your memoirs but yeah I just found it really interesting the idea of you were really enticing not only on audio but also I yeah look I've said it but I love your newsletter and it's this idea of you and your co-host Anna who will cover but this idea of you're both like I love the way both of your minds work so I don't know if it's <laughs> I don't know if it's a product of who you are or your ability to tell stories but it just feels very natural like as a recipient of both of those I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess I'll never, I'll never know really. But I think that I that I I've always been a talker. I, I'd never set out to be a writer. Um, it all kind of happened, sort of by accident. I mean, I've I found the love for it, and then it stopped being accidental. Um, but it was never something I set out to do but I did always enjoy talking and I believe often actually the best writing just write as you speak there's not much more to it really that's what it means when people say find your voice so um so I think yeah I think in that regard maybe it's a mixture of natural mixed with just like doing the thing and doing it more and more
0: yeah yeah definitely I find that really interesting um And another thing that I found really interesting talking of interesting things about you was the idea of being the chair of your school's debating society which I just it was one of those things it made so much sense in terms of listening to your voice and listening how to you go about it through the newsletter and the podcast this idea of finding your voice I think that's probably something that is very important in the art of debating so I was wondering was that Was that something that you were drawn to once again, just being who you are, being someone that challenged things even from a young age? And how do you feel that plays a part in the work that you do now, whether that's the skill set, whether that's the desire to question things? um, How does that play a part in the woman that you are today?
1: Yeah, I loved debating. If I could still go to debate club at the age of 33. They do exist actually, but yeah, I would be very much... um, there with bells on um my my sister got me into debating uh she just said oh come along to this thing and it wasn't much of a thing at our school back then Uh, I went to an all-girls school but I found a real um flair for it and I found a bit of a mission with regard to um training up and working with girls from the school and like going off to competitions and debating against all the like arrogant posh boys many of whom I'm sure we'll see in the the benches of uh, parliament one day. Um, And there was just something about that that I found really, it was just really fun. And like, what I think has been really powerful for debating, there's a few things. I mean, the skills are endless, all kids should be taught it. But um, you have, the way we used to debate is you'd have 15 minutes to prepare and and you were told which side of the argument you were on. And so A, you learn how to quickly shift perspectives and disassociate from your own opinion and try and predict what the other person's going to say you also learn how to yeah with no research sometimes zero knowledge yet you had to stand up in front of a room and speak for gosh I can't remember how long the times were maybe seven minutes or something like that and I just loved it um and I and I think that yeah of course those skills those and, and yeah I still argue with that passion but always with a little bit of you know a smile on my face, it's almost like I'm still in debating society, like it's not personal, it's not, um, it's yeah, it's, it's like a flare of arguing, um, but it can be quite intense. And again, I think I can, I think people can find that quite intense if they're not used to that level of uh, like arguing and speed. Um, so I had to learn to be a bit more patient, like say in like a relationship context or something like that. Um, but no, those shifting perspectives, the confidence gives you, um. It's just so invaluable and I just feel so, so lucky that my sister just said, oh, come and do a debate with me kind of thing. Because I never used to do what my sister did. I was obsessed with um, defining myself against her. But for some reason, when it came to this one thing, she got me into it um, and I was hooked.
0: I mean, how funny is that, right? There's like a little bit of irony there. The idea of debating and having an identity that you want to be individualistic and no, I'm not going to do what like what my sister does and be I'm my own person and at the same time the one thing you find is the idea of something where you're arguing or you're debating something this idea of yeah i just find i always something that is like a mystery to me and it's i don't know whether it's a good or bad thing but i'm extremely non-confrontational and try to avoid it so i think anytime i'm introduced to someone that i have a respect for like yourself that does have I won't say joy but maybe joy in terms of like how you have said it this idea of being able to be comfortable in confrontation it's just because it's so opposite to who I am it's something I'm very intrigued by and yeah I guess in a relationship context it might be one of those things that's hard to switch off if you especially if you're comfortable with limited preparation and you feel like you can argue a, a case it's um Yeah, I guess that might be quite tempting every now and then, especially if you do have a passionate opinion on one side. But yeah, it's just something I was really intrigued by and it's something that I'm really admire about you. So it was something I definitely wanted to cover because the way you use your voice to voice your opinion because of your newsletter, obviously, it's natural that you do that. But yeah, it's just something I've really appreciated and respected from your newsletter and then being like ah okay you really enjoyed debating growing up that's something that's like an immediate kind of joining of like the thread um so yeah it was just something i really appreciated.
1: no thank you um as i said it's it's such a valuable thing for people to learn because and we we live in a time when it's scary to give your opinion online Mm. um I do st- I do feel scared giving up, a- even, you know, I, as you know, I cover a lot of lifestyle topics that shouldn't be that controversial, but I can write the opposing argument before I've even finished writing the my argument, you know, and um, yeah, we do live in a scary time to have an opinion on everything. And, and also we live in a time when nuance isn't that welcomed and I find mm. nuance very important. Um, but yeah, no, debating definitely gave me that foundation.
0: Do you think this has just hit me now but I kind of prep myself I think if I ever have a strong opinion I do my best to get to the other side to understand how it may be used against me I guess. How do you find that experience because I find it every now and then like quite draining or this idea of I try and think everything out and this is me by the way I'm personalizing this briefly but how do you find the idea of you do share opinions and you're right in terms of we don't hold enough space for nuance and the idea of non-binary arguments that this idea of it isn't strictly one way or the other. Um, And I was wondering, how do you find that? Because you do share your opinions on different things. And although they may not be controversial, people like to have a strong opinion about things, I feel like more than ever. But when you're writing a newsletter, does that become particularly, I guess, internally tiring? The idea of like, I've got to think how this may be received how it may be argued against me or is it something that you're just a bit like at this point yeah fuck it this is how I feel and you either get to choose to agree with it or not and that's completely up to you
1: I mean the reality is I'm not big enough yet or well, yet I don't know <laughs> yet I like
0: it. it's manifestation uh- <laughs> <laughs>
1: There you go. The reality is I'm not big enough that every time I publish someone, something, someone criticizes it. Mm. I think you get to a certain size, an audience where people will find something in everything. And I'm in a really lovely sweet spot where I have my newsletter subscribers. Very occasionally someone might email me and point something out. And that's always welcomed. Um, if done wholeheartedly. Mm. Um, I don't think I've ever had anything um that I haven't felt was done well meaningly um so yeah so I guess so I guess I'm still operating in a slightly safe space um and so I do acknowledge that and I am a bit scared about you know when the memoir comes out when my head was probably a little bit more above the parapet um but at the same time like bring it on like I don't feel that attached to my opinions they're not I'm open to different perspectives uh I'm intellectually fascinated about opposing sides there's a part of me that would quite enjoy the psychology of working on like the evil side of things in life um I choose not to I think I don't want to drum up that side of my personality but I would love to be a spin doctor like not love on one level but on some levels I'd love to spin things you know in, in, in a I find that psychologically very interesting um and I do have an interest in politics um so yeah I think for me it's intellectually interesting it's it's bring it on I'm not too attached to any opinions like I changed my mind a lot there's stuff I've said on previous podcast episodes or in previous newsletters that I don't actually agree with anymore and I think again we need to be that's gonna happen, right? Is that like by by I again let's manifest future books that come out, they'll have a different message. They'll have a different oh. I'll have grown up, I'll have learnt new things, and we need to be more comfortable with that.
0: Yeah, I I mean I wholeheartedly agree there. Um and yeah, I like it. Books, plural, give us more. Um <laughs> You would go on to study history at the University of Bristol, and I was wondering, how did you find the transition from I'm assuming North London still at that time how did you find that transition from Bristol to your uh, that transition from North London to Bristol? And how were your early days at university?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I actually struggled a little bit socially in the early earliest of days, and that came as a bit of a shock. Um, I'd learned to be a bit of a social chameleon in the you know in the North London life. Um, it was a bit of a bubble; like I was quite comfortable. I had been at my school since I was seven. I had my crew, I was in a couple of different crews, you know, nothing, very uncontroversial character, pretty chill, Um, had my friends, you know, but wasn't one of the like popular ones or anything. Um, So I got to university and it was a bit of a shock actually because I didn't expect to not connect with people. Um, But very early on, I found one really close friend, I think on the first night and then she, I said to her, I'm I, I'm struggling to make friends here. Like my flat that I'm with, we're not really getting on. And so she introduced me to her flat because I lived in a um, self-catered accommodation. So you had different flats with kitchens and she introduced me to a group and I just slotted into that group. And that was the same group I had the whole time I was there. I met my boyfriend, well, on the first night, but we ended up going out from like week two. So I also had that foundation. So yeah, we just spent all our time together and just in the same group. Um, But yeah, it was a bit of a, it's definitely a bit of a learning, humbling experience, I think. Um, But yeah, uni's tough. Like you just get thrown with all these random people and you're far from home and you meet people from like different backgrounds who have views about your backgrounds and you're just not really prepared for it. Um, And yeah, but it turned out to be great in the end. Well I'm glad Uh it turned
0: out to be (laughs) I'm glad it did um, improve similar to my story I think I um, yeah I was the last one that was in our flat two days before we started uni and yeah once again just didn't click with people that I lived with but befriended the flat downstairs we were the same it was like you have your own kitchen and it was in blocks and yeah they were the flat below and there are those guys are now some of my best friends even to this day but yeah it is a bit of a trial by fire in terms of whether it's culture whether it's just like social I guess exposure I guess you're exposed to all these different types of people different experiences and yeah so I um I very much empathize and relate to that idea um but whilst you were at university this was something that I was like very much mind blown by and I guess you created a online community on Facebook and Twitter which was called Secret London and it hit over 200,000 members and over 155 Twitter followers in four weeks so my head went a little bit mad with questions in my head I had to like settle myself down and be like all right let's figure out where I actually want to go with this information but how did it feel to create such a large community in such a short time and also do you feel like having that experience in the bank and in your kind of memory and conscious mind do you feel like that helps you now when you go into the world of freelance freelance work and you've got to bet on yourself every day you've got a I mean there's tons of skills that are transferable from the idea of what you've ended up building but do you feel like having that experience that young and that early ends up helping you when you get into freelance work because there's an element of even when I was younger I, I bet on myself in terms of creating this and it done well well I guess it depends what you depends what you determine success as but I would say that's, impre- that's highly impressive so yeah do you feel like that helped your freelance experience and what was that feeling like of building something that grew that quickly?
1: The thing about this story so this was what 2010 mm-hmm. this is the pre-influencer age this was the age where having loads of followers didn't it was before that was a thing and I find it mad to think that in some ways I was like an influencer before influencers existed um, but I also find it mad because if I had kept going with it and, or I'd taken a different journey my life and career would look quite different well, actually it might look quite similar to where it is now but the sign of 12 years that came before um, would look different um, but the it's it's really interesting the secret London thing because for years it sort of followed me around and and people ha- people you know as you've just described are fascinated by it and they're really interested in it but i have a very complicated relationship with it um for starters it's it all happened completely by accident so i think i was graduated from university didn't know what to do with my life people around me were adver- going for advertising jobs because that's what you did if you were like sort of slightly creative but didn't but wanted some grad scheme because we're taught to just continue to exist in these sort of schemes and structures um, so there, Saatchi and Saatchi had a competition to set up a Facebook group and get the most number of members and I thought to myself okay well secret London kind of sounds sexy sharing secrets of the city like everybody wants to be the person that knows where to go all the promoters and people that have something to advertise will grow the group let's just do Secret London, off I go and live my life. And then this sort of thing just explodes and suddenly I'm like this hot property and everyone's like, oh, that's a Secret London girl. You know, I've got more of the story in my memoir and I I kind of uh, don't want to go too much into it in the sense that like it's kind of long and complicated, but basically it ended up not turning into anything um and I ended up moving in it it opened the door for me to join another startup that I went to work at for a long time and I'm grateful for that experience because that took me on a different journey um but yeah loads of people like what happened with that why didn't that become a big thing and it's complicated for me because I never set out for it to be that and it and I and I didn't want to start like the next time out or something Mm -hmm. um so uh, it's very complicated. Yes, yeah, I have a complicated relationship with it, but as with all our stories from our past and our histories, we we welcome them for how they turned out and the impact they had on us. Um, your question about the belief, whether it gave me a belief, mm. I don't think so because of what I've said before about how it played out. Mm. I think that the belief that I have probably, I more learnt from doing the student newspaper when I was at university. Like that's, mm. more, that's more like... Um, being at work like that prepared me better for work like startups and student newspapers are very similar in their vibes and also I think you learn more from your failures I would say I think you gain I think you gain more learnings and resilience from things that you fail at versus things you succeed at if you're someone who yeah by accident I touched a button and like created some like crazy successful group I'll be terrified that I can't do that again right like yeah. whereas if I um I did it it failed no one cares or try things like I actually think it's better to sort of so I'm more confident in the freelance space the more I do it because of all those rejections because of those failures because of those things that go wrong and and yesterday I had a bit of a work failure where oh, I'm not sure if I should say what happened actually I had it sort of I, I won't I won't go into it but um uh it was an act like black and white failure like I failed fine great bring it on like we learn from these things and again like yeah I think self-belief comes from that rather than times you've been successful I think it's quite scary when you've been successful because it's like can I do it again do I need to outdo myself so yeah
0: yeah well firstly that's all awesome um and yeah it's a nice I think that's a nice way to frame failure though as a strange as a sentence I never really thought would come out of my mouth but the idea of Being able to have that that like instinctual once again, like positive frame for failure, is just because it's something I really struggle with. So I'm hoping like people that are listening now are going to take value from that because you know you have a podcast. So I'm assuming that there's some element of reaching out to people and then being like, no, sorry, I'm busy, or da, da 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 da. And yeah, I've it's something that I've had to face like in the past maybe three months a lot more I think being more looking for people to come on the podcast it's this idea of yeah being able to frame it as that's the opportunity to grow is just something that I believe is very valuable and I will be pinching myself but um
1: I was just going to say yeah like actively pursue rejection and your life will get a lot better
0: I love it I love it yeah I love it um Mm -hmm. let's talk about the student newspaper then because I um because we will get into your startup work, but this idea of, I can really, uh, for something for some reason, I really understood it straight away. I've done very small amount with our, um, it was a blog at the time, with our university blog. But yeah, I'd love for you to speak about what lessons that you took away from the student newspaper experience that helped you as you did transition into kind of the startup world. Because I, I know that's when we get to your employed work, that's where you kind of began your career I'm assuming because I think that's from what I've seen is this idea of you working in a lot of startups growing up so yeah um yeah what did the student newspaper teach you that you feel helped you quite early on with that transition into employed work
1: uh how to create and build something uh from scratch where you don't know what you're doing and no one around you knows what they're doing mixed with a huge amount of passion and obsession um and the energy of like the newsroom, and yeah, I I I I found academically like doing history didn't really engage me that much. Like I'd always been an extracurricular person, you know. We discussed debating. I used to do loads of music at school. Like I was like, I don't know. I just for me, it was never the main event. Wasn't the academia. And so at university, I did a bit of debating. It wasn't as fun. Um, I went to Bristol. It wasn't like. You know as good there as it might have been at other places i so anyway i needed a thing that was like stimulating to replace that debating energy i had um and so i joined and so i applied to be news editor of the student newspaper got the job um and then the year after i was co-deputy editor i was really pissed off i wasn't main editor i still <laughs> still talk about that like how many is it like 12 years later should have been me um and yeah i uh sorry I lost my track the 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 resentment just bubbled back in I mean really joking I guess we were talking about failure I guess we were talking about failures before, and that to me was quite a failure um but anyway um yeah like and a news editor I was like, what do you do like how do you find news in in a in a student environment like nothing yeah. interesting ever happened so anyway, we had to fill the pages we had like you know working long hours in the office. Um, you know, I talked about that struggle to make friends and finding that initial group, whereas what I loved with my student newspaper people is like it was like a common, there was a bit more common ground, like we were like creating something together. And yeah, I only recently made the connection with how that prepares you for startup work, really. Um it's that energy, that passion, that sort of um, yeah, creating something with people. Um it's just for me it's just so energizing those environments I love them I, I get a bit addicted to them Um, I don't know if they're you know the best for one like a holistic life but um I loved it and yeah going into startups again sort of by accident like I didn't know what a startup was in 2010 mm. just happened to it's again a complicated story but happened to end up working at this hospitality startup and it was me and the three founders for over a year wow um and it was hospitality like vacation rentals so I was making beds cleaning toilets like you name it like and that's fun because the founders were doing it with you and it was just really exciting and like doing the first bookings and sales like every sale or everything you did was like it felt so like you were working towards something so yeah I just I love I love that I love creating stuff with people um and yeah all feeling part of something
0: yeah yeah I um yeah I'm really in I'm really interested to touch on that with you um later in the conversation because that was something that struck me when I we spoke about when we spoke about when I thought about um your freelance work but before I rush ahead because I'm I instinctively want to do that but something that you spoken about was losing your job and you spoken about it on this is this working you've spoken about it through written form and you gave this quote which I found really it just stuck with me and it resonated with me. And I think it's something you've kind of half alluded to in a very different phraseology already. But the quote that you gave was The worst thing that could have happened to me in career terms has happened. It has made me fearless. I know that I'll always be able to make money. I no longer waste energy being frustrated by working with people I don't want to. My mental health is the best it's ever been. I'm a better friend. I set my own pace and structure my work and structure my working days in a way that suits me I'm very productive so can you speak to the process that starts with this vacation com, this um, hospitality company and what ends up leading to I guess the precipice of you going into freelance work but this idea of just this courage and this idea once again I don't know if it's resilience I don't know if it's just that you've worked out a mentality that's that helps in terms of self-preservation and kind of self-love but this idea of taking something that has the potential to really impact you either emotionally or mentally or even physically and being able to turn it into something resourceful and productive almost instantaneously it's i think it's symbolic of who you are as a person in a, the best way the idea of not allowing certain things to potentially break you and I put that in quotations I guess in terms of not breaking but the idea of to really negatively impact you but you've got this strength of character and this will and determination to turn what would be perceived as a failure or just what what would be a negative experience and immediately flipping it to something that you can use to propel you forward so What ends up leading to that process to find that value in something that a lot of us understand as being a really sucky experience? I wish I could put it in a more articulate way, but it was the way that came in my head. That's a shitty experience, losing your job. But the idea that you could turn it into something that provides you value as well as providing other people value through your writing. So, yeah, how does that process happen and what leads to it?
1: I do believe from the greatest failures in our lives come the greatest lessons and not everyone will agree with me on this um but all hardships are gifts in some shape or form um and i mean we're going to take that to as far as grief and my own experience there um happy to delve into that more but i think that it th- that is quite to take it to those extremes i think is 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 probably Quite unusual, but I think if we come, if we stay focused on the work, of getting the fired job, yeah. So, so you know, I'd kind of, I'd had that amazing experience at the hospitality startup that I mentioned, and then after that, I really struggled to find a thing. Like I had, a, you know, a few years working at different startups, nothing quite stuck, and um, you know, rightly so, I was sort of all over the place, and I got booted out of a startup, and um, everyone gets fired in startups, by the way. It's not that big a deal, but. <laughs> I took it really badly like it was it was it was uh, you know I didn't find another I didn't decide to go freelance till like six months afterwards I think I took six months out of work I found it very shameful experience people how people responded to me during it I found it really tough so by no means the growth was instantaneous it there was a huge grieving period and um, but it was part of it was around that time in my life I think so I was 29 It was around that time in my life when I began to invest in myself and growth and sort of pick myself up a bit, because I think I was a bit of an emotional mess, Mm. which is covered in the the memoir, is that journey of emotional messiness. And so what you see today is someone who's very different from 29-year-old me, Um, you know, went to therapy, uh, read a lot had deeper more meaningful conversations with friends and obviously having done coaching training now it's just more and more and more and having done all the writing work like that's been hugely explorative and yeah let's take getting fired like I've written about that that's connected with people that's opened doors for me um you know I still talk to the person who fired me and we have a great relationship like we've had honest conversations about it so do I wish I was still working at the place that fired me? No, have, have I turned it around into something that yeah, can maybe help people? My, a friend of mine lost their job recently and I sent them that article that I wrote for Refinery29 about getting fired and they said, oh, that's really helpful. Um, so it, it makes it all worth it, these experiences. And yeah, I do believe that the harder the thing, the worse it feels, the greater growth and the greater gift. I believe it can be a big gift so yeah if I hadn't got fired I wouldn't be sitting here chatting to you right now like how can I not be grateful for that
0: yeah well firstly that makes me feel a lot better you having that mindset with this conversation I feel the exact same Um, let's talk about the memoir because it because it's something you brought up it's something I immediately was like yes 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 just like very very happy that this was for this was coming in the future but so You've been through the process of writing your memoir, which is titled "Unspoken: What One Person's Death Taught Me About Life," and it covers the it covers the decade that precedes you losing your boyfriend and sadly him ending his own life. Um, and a quote that I heard very recently, and it struck me, it hit me straight away when I was looking into this this idea of the that grief the grief never goes away; it grows. And it grows with you over time. Um, So I guess for me, the first question that came to my mind that I would love for you to um, speak on was the idea of how did you find that process of reflecting on a time which is extremely, I can imagine, extremely challenging, both emotionally, mentally, and once again, probably physically. um, And then having to not only reflect upon that, but to then be conscientious of how you're going to vocalize and verbalize and process in terms of as an author the process of how to put it in book form because it's not only just having to potentially relive really challenging times but the idea of I've actually got to like work out how to just communicate this onto a piece of paper obviously that's you know the idea of it doesn't might not be a actual piece of paper but the idea of it has to take the form of a book so yeah how did you find reflecting on a very challenging time, I imagine, and also how was it not only processing all of that, but then having to get to the point where you write it into your memoirs?
1: I didn't expect to write that story. It came from, I went to a a mentor of mine almost in passing said, oh, go to this life memoir life writing course at Goldsmiths and I was like okay cool whatever this is when I was being a consultant for startups like consulting them on their brand strategy and um, I sort of turned up being like I'm gonna write like a work book or whatever Um, and then the story that came out um, I mean my class was so shocked because the story that came out was this super vulnerable sad story of um, what happened it was the first chapter of, of the book which is when Richard my boyfriend killed himself and um went you know that my reaction to the the initial reaction to the death and um there was something I talked about this earlier like there was just something within me that had a craving to tell this story and I always had a vision that it would be a 10-year story like mm-hmm. I always knew that like there were things that happened later in my life I had this craving to tell the story and I was almost always it was almost already written in my head like I knew the scenes that were going to be in it I knew the interactions I knew the people and it's a hard sell though like oh hey can I write a 10-year memoir it like starts with this but then like the fact I had this relationship six seven years later and what happened is relevant but you kind of need to see it you need to see it on the page yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I don't know what it's about or why I want to do this or what the message is, but, but it's just within me and I trust me, you know, and that's not how publishing works, obviously. So I had, (laughs) um, I had to, you know, I wrote one chapter, then wrote another chapter and sent it to my agent, um, and my agent did an amazing job of working with me on the proposal, on the introduction. Like, what is this about? Like, why do you want to tell the story? I reckon there are about 150 drafts of that introduction. Wow. Um, and it took me so long to articulate why do I need to tell the story? What's it actually about? And we got there. Um, and then it all just became really clear to me. and And, and writing the whole thing was... I don't want to say easy, but like it flew out of me. It, it flowed like it was I'd I've, i I've been I'd spent from the by the time the book comes out next March that I would have written that first chapter from that memoir class three years ago. Mm. So I've waited a long time for this to go out there. And so by the time I was writing the whole thing, predominantly over um, maybe last Christmas, um you know, the, the, the amount of time I've spent on the proposal and the introduction and articulating what it was about, having written random scenes from later on to go into the proposal. By the time I got the permission to write the whole thing from a publisher, as a side note, I got rejected by over 20 publishers. Only only one said yes, you only need one. But reading those rejections was, you know, just to continue on our theme of loving rejection and failure today. Mm. Um, But yeah, I when I was given the permission to do it, I was just so hungry to do it that I felt that it just came out. But um, I mean, of course, like I'm, I'm gonna say when you read it, I presume you, you intend to read it yeah, based I on will. what you said. Um, but um, but when when you read it, you'll see that I do not come across um, I'm I'm honest, I, it's brutal. Like, but I'm also, you know, I was what, 20, 21 and onwards. So a huge amount of exploration and not criticism of the self, but reality of the self. And I guess like even though it's kind of not necessarily my fault, like I did behave badly in many different ways. And, um, and it's just being exposed to that. And maybe that makes you more empathetic to other people when you expose yourself to that level of uh, interest. Uh, uh, like criticism isn't the right word. It's almost like shining a light on yourself or excavation of the self or whatever it might be. Um, but the other thing to remember with this is it's not a account of exactly what happened to me it's a story like each year is a chapter it's a story Um, it's a story with a message and a purpose and it's a story that uses elements and parts of my life to communicate itself Um, so there was actually a lot of joy to be found in bringing to life Like going back mentally to university in those early days and the music we played and the conversations we had and the way we talked to each other, like it was fun to go back. Like it was cool. I I mean, of course, it was emotionally difficult and draining, but it was also really, really fun to create, to recreate and bring to life this, this world that we were in. And I'm sure and I hope that there's so much relatable stuff in there about what it's like to be young and i'm just so excited for it to you know my baby to go out into the world because yeah a lot of a lot of um creativity and passion went into it as well
0: yeah i mean there's so much about that that's like really heartwarming to hear in terms of yeah there it was actually just a you know although challenging at times but a very a largely positive experience and i guess the I don't I hate this about me actually this idea that always one very silly question comes silly comment comes to my head and a question so the silly comment is I'll take down a note that if I ever write a book that I, sh- I shouldn't go to publishers I trust me and you should too I mean probably come up with a better plan than that in terms of because that would be I can imagine myself feeling that exact same way and just wanting to say that to publishers like I trust me and you should too so just write my uh, publish my book but um I think the the natural like question that comes to my mind I think is this idea of when you I guess how did you find the process of not only going to that class and talking about something that you've uh, you've said before this idea I've that you've kind of curated your life to not have to speak about what you went through with your boyfriend's um ending his life the suicide but the idea of how did you find that first class of really verbalizing it because it's a story that maybe you haven't told as often as maybe other stories that you've told before um how was it to reflect not only on that experience but to look back at almost previous versions of yourself over the past 10 years like how was it to because you've said it's like ex, um it's like you know not criticism but looking back at almost these different versions of Tiffany growing up and going through that decade afterwards how was it to kind of reflect on these different versions of yourself because I think of myself over the previous 10 years and it's this idea of it can actually be quite challenging to even sometimes relate to the human being I was even though it is me there's a real detachment from the person I was at 22 to 24 and going onwards so yeah. How was it looking back at these different versions of Tiffany? And was there anything that surprised you in that process?
1: Well, as you said, yeah, I kind of edited my life uh, when I talked to people. I left Richard, who was my boyfriend who died. I left him out of the story. Um, and that was from immediately from after he died. I just wouldn't talk about the previous couple of years that we spent together. or I would just edit it out. It was natural. Um, so, you know, by the time I was about 30, it had been 10 years of editing. Um, And yet I found myself thinking about him in it all the time, like all the time, Mm. Um, which, by the way, is actually happening a bit less now. So there's something about actually confronting it and then it's not occupying your brain in the same way. But it used to be I would think of him, think of the grief every hour approximately Mm. if not if not more actually and I was carrying this heavy weight of this like what felt like a secret that people couldn't know me if they didn't know this thing but I didn't tell anyone so how could they know and so it made me feel a bit disconnected from people who weren't obviously the people who were there at the time I was connected to but I didn't really bring it up with them really um maybe when I was a bit wasted at a party or something but not really so to go completely the other extreme and to talk to everybody about it and talk about it all the time and um it's 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 really nice in a way because there's so much shame around suicide and I had so much shame like we live together how could you not have known Mm. as you can imagine like um all these sorts of things uh I don't you know I don't know if people think them but that's that's how it feels it feels like people think them and it feels like we're so uncomfortable with suicide and we still are and there's still a lot of shame and so I find something quite um it's like he never existed. And it's quite nice to bring him back to existence and life in the sense that it's nice to be able to say his name and talk about him and, and and give him that space because I didn't for so long because of the shame. You know, I've gone the other way, I guess, the other extreme. But even doing the memoir gives me a lens, a way of talking about it with people. And sometimes I do it facetiously. Like I was meeting this like founder and he was like, I was like, oh, I've got a memoir coming out. And he's like, oh, like a like a memoir. And I was like, do you think my life's not interesting enough to have had a memoir? <laughs> and because, you know, you look at me, how I look and sound, you make judgments, fine. You know, you know, I didn't I don't have like an Angela's Ashes star story. of Yeah, I like, agree. But then um, and I said to him, oh, it's about my boyfriend's suicide. And he's like, "Oh, OK, and then you can see him sort of squirming. And that's mm. that's fun for me. But <laughs> aside from that sort of facetious, facetious people that, when I meet someone um, say in like a romantic context or a friend or something, it does take me a long time to admit what my memoir is actually about. Um and I do find that still a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but then um I think I'm meeting some people later actually and 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 I've already it makes me nervous, like because they'll be like, What do you do? And I say, Oh, well, I write. And they go, What do you write? Oh, I've got a book coming out. What is it? A memoir. And then they'll look at me like, right? I'll be like, Oh, you know, it's just about like being in your twenties. Um, so yeah, it's, um, so it's still a thing I struggle with, but then I guess people like you, we just bang on, hit on it, can talk about it. And that's really freeing having been silenced for so long. So I really appreciate that gift of the memoir and the conversations that's opened up because the more I talk about it, the more comfortable I am with it. Um, I hope it helps other people who went through what I went through. Um, I'm hugely purpose-driven with the memoir. Mm -hmm that's what kept me going like the belief that it will help people I would have loved to have read something like that when I was going through my experience and I call it because there's a lot of juicy stuff in there you know like I don't hold back I tell you you know it's, it's all uh, you know it's uh, there's all sorts in the memoir because I want it to be entertaining right I want it to be worth reading mm. um and but I, I kind of see it as myself like sacrificing myself on the altar of dignity but kind of for a greater purpose yeah. so that's really kept me going and i I'm, I'm really looking forward to when it comes out when i can hopefully go and talk about it some more talk about him some more so yeah it's been a really it's been really nice to be able to have that tool to explain this heavy weight i was carrying that felt like a secret but now everyone knows and it makes me, it's it's really freeing and and as i said you know in a way it's made me put the whole incident and the time to bed in a way and it's calmed it and it has been a process so that's been that's been really nice yeah
0: um I think the first thing that comes to my mind is this idea of I think when it comes to male suicide in particular I guess maybe there's a challenging thing with guys being confronted with that reality because it's so prevalent and I think the more that it's spoken about the more aware the fact that it's just so pervasive, like it's so pervasive in, just for men, it's just, it's awful, like it's something that hasn't been spoken about enough, and now there is being spoken about, as a man, I'm talking about, like, I guess personalizing it momentarily, this idea of, it's so confronting to know that so many guys are struggling, so I think there's probably a potential of that, but I guess you're the recipient of the energy you put out so if you put out a very dismissive energy which i think would come with a human being that would be like you saying i'm bringing out my memoirs and someone being dismissive initially it's kind of like yeah you get what you pay for on the you know the the price of admission with that ticket of being dismissive initially you're going to the universe is going to confront you with something that makes you feel uncomfortable <laughs> after but um i've got one off-the-cuff question, that I'll, and then we'll get back to, you know, because you've seen the questions, you know that I've um done this research, but because it's been a three-year process, is there an element of, when you submit that final draft of your memoirs, that there's, I don't know if anxiety is a word, but maybe like an impatience of like, and just a desire of, yeah, can you just release it now? Is there an element of, I've worked really hard on this for years, can you please put it out now? And how has... How have you found the process of knowing that it's done, but you've got to wait until March, until it's released?
1: Well, you know me, I find the gift and opportunity in everything. So, um, (laughs) um, I mean, of course, I'm itching for it to come out. It was uh, the date actually got pushed back and I found that really challenging because in my head I had my vision of how everything was going to look for me. But um, now I've seen how it gives me more time to build an audience learn it's not just about building audience it's about learning more about what i want to write about so you've brought up the men uh, male suicide it's the number one killer of men under 45 i'm actually using this time to think a little bit more about men's mental health um to follow people who are talking about it and these are the sorts of people i would love to connect with when the book comes out so now i have more time to maybe establish myself more as the type of writer i want to be and the type of person and the type of issues I want to be talking about so you, you may have, or may not notice my mem- um, my newsletter is moving in a more personal direction mm. um I've given myself permission to write from the heart it's working like growth is already improving I've, I've got a commission out of it like it works right like right <laughs> um but I didn't but that's very recent so now I've got nine months to continue doing that and to I can decide what I write about and now I've got more time to own that until when the book comes out it'll be a bit less out of my control um so I see and the other thing practically is it's positive because it gives me more time to build up a bit more financial stability before it comes out so I can give the time to promoting it so yeah I'm actually and also it's gonna throw my life upside down so I'm gonna enjoy the next nine months before everyone I've ever met suddenly like looks in my underwear drawer because that's what it feels like it's that exposing right like so um yeah so it's it's I'm gonna enjoy the peace and quiet and the you know the 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 kind of this time until it does come out um because also I think I think it'll be hard when it comes out not only because of the exposing thing but it could come out I've dedicated three years of my life to it I've um everything I do and have done is for it Mm. um in every single way and so um it could flop people could hate it like whatever it could just be average like it could feel like a letdown and so I think that's also challenging so to sort of have more time to prepare and grow myself and and all that sort of stuff I think is valuable but yeah as I said I turn everything I'm a spin doctor of my own life so I turn everything into a positive
0: yeah which (laughs) yeah which I love and i feel like once again you've said that you believe in you i very much believe in you so i've got a funny feeling it's going to be great um but i want to talk about i want to give you this opportunity because i i gave anna this question and i would love for you to so for those of you that know tiffany that would be mental to know tiffany without knowing anna but for those of you that don't know who anna is i managed to have a conversation with tiffany's co-host co-founder of this is this working podcast which i truly truly thoroughly love i love the conversations that you guys have you're both fantastic as interviewers you're both fantastic in conversation yeah you, you you're ticking very many boxes in terms of as podcasters which i love um but when i spoke to anna i asked her of about the importance of your friendship as a pairing and the thing that I didn't exp- I I knew that she was going to speak fondly but she began to speak about sisterhood and kind of the idea we're both an- only children me and Anna so she was saying it was like a sister and then she abruptly stopped herself and said no she's actually a- I actually think of her as a soulmate of mine which of course in my head I was like this is the sweetest thing I've ever heard and I'm a huge fan of it because I've I feel like I've got a couple friends that maybe I look at and I'm like there's something deeper than brotherhood there. And it was just something I I loved immediately. So I want to give you the opportunity to answer the same question. So Tiffany, can you speak to the importance of your friendship with Anna and the role it plays in your life?
1: Um, I'm just thinking of a piece I did on my newsletter my most popular one of all time, which was friendships with the greatest love story of our lives. Yeah. Um, and that was where I interviewed Anna and yeah, like our soulmates should be our friends, right? Like they are I will know Anna longer than and I would have been friends with her longer than any romantic person that comes into my life. And that's a fact. And actually I, I had an ex-boyfriend once in an argument that was like, I'm sorry I'm not Anna Cod. <laughs> like that's that's the level of jealousy that that can exist for our bond. Um but yeah, I mean sometimes it feels like our brains are kind of in connection. Um and and, and yeah, it's just we from very so when we we're about 18, we were in the same school, but we only became friends towards the end of it. And we had this thing where we just kept and we didn't, you know, we didn't have the language that we have now to talk about things. Like we just randomly be like wavelength, we're on a wavelength. And I guess saying we're on a wavelength is something to do with like your souls being entwined or your brains are as one. Um and now obviously we collaborate with work and 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 I find work my work and my life are completely blended they're part of my existence um you know I literally write about my life <laughs> um and that's that and so obviously working with Anna and having that um connection and that kind of symbiotic thing is is amazing um but yeah I mean we've been through a lot like you can't you can't create that history um and the way that she showed up for me um after Richard had died and throughout my 20s and the presence and the patience and everything she'd shown um I actually feel you know sometimes I feel guilty actually because she was so amazing and I think I was a bit more all over the place but yeah I think um that loyalty as well is just in, it's just incredible um and yeah we're, we're in like constant communication basically um and again, like yeah, I talk to her more than any boyfriend. Like I find our conversations deeper and more free. Like you know, and it just can be myself. Um, anyway, I could keep going, um, but yeah, I think I think I would like I would like to live in a world that values friendship more highly. Mm. Um, I want to write more about friendship. I'm interested in friendship. I think the other thing we don't talk about is how anxiety-inducing friendships can be, mm. and because they are important to us, but they're not given the same weight that romantic relationships are but I think we need friendship columns in newspapers I think we need guides to how to be friends like different types of friends you know I've written a bit about returning to friendship after the pandemic but it it needs to be given the same weight as this romantic relationship so it's something I really care about and definitely my friendship with Anna is such a I'm I'm the sisterhood thing's funny I would say I'm probably the younger sister like I always copy her like she went freelance first she like you know I copy her brands of things I don't know like she'll always recommend stuff to me you know she had books come out first so she's like telling me what it's like when your book my book will come out like I feel like I'm like always always following her and copying her and stuff but yeah um so it's a younger sister vibe as well which is cute
0: so Tiff I was wondering if you could speak of how is this working was kind of found and how did you find the experience of working with someone that you do have that affection for in a creative environment and kind of how have you found breaching the topics you did because they're fantastic
1: yeah so um the story of this working was it was all Anna's idea um so we would she was sort of coaching me um as I was adjusting to freelance life and we were going back and forward and she's very much like a researcher kind of person I'm more a kind of ask someone who researches kind of person (laughs) um so she um just would tell me about her research and what she'd learn and um I would share my personal struggles with these things and anyway she was like these conversations are really valuable. I think people would want to hear them. And I was like, what do you mean? Just like me and you talking to each other? <laughs> she was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, why not? Um so then that's how it came to be. Look, I mean, working with a friend is amazing. I've always loved working with friends. I think people who are nervous about working with friends, that's not me. I I prefer it. I think having that layer of trust and having that relationship first principle but i turn up to work very authentically like i'm the same everywhere that's not true for a lot of people um so i can see why for them it might be more difficult but for me working with anna and that trust and that respect anna and i both need to really respect someone before we'll give them like work work well with them i think um and so for that to already exist is really powerful um but what a beautiful experience to have with someone like i would love to work with like you know, I like have I've, i don't know whether this isn't, you know, like if you to start a business with a partner or something, like what an extra cool thing to experience together. And I think with Anna as well, like we've experienced this journey together and we've created this thing together. And I just think that's a really beautiful thing to add to our life experience. So yeah, it's been amazing. And I can't recommend creating cool stuff with your mates more highly. Like we should all be doing it. It's cool.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think there's this element of I might be the only kind of psychopath that does this, but I feel like there's different versions of me within the human being that is me. This idea of the guy that, the Luca that shows up to work is this different Luca to the person that might be a partner, or it may be a friend, or it may be the Luca at a party. I mean, this idea of they almost feel like different kind of masks and different versions of me within the the human being that is me. So I guess that, like you said it's you and Anna get to have all these different you just see each other in all these different kind of realms of like settings and environments so yeah it kind of gives you a deep an even deeper respect for the person because you've experienced something now as colleagues this idea of you're not just friends and all these different things is that you actually get to see Anna the colleague and Anna the close friend and Anna the all these different um yeah I guess versions of the person it, it almost deepens your respect and understanding of them I guess
1: yeah for sure
0: yeah Um another question I have because we spoke about it earlier the idea of that you really enjoy being a part of a team you really enjoy the idea of that kind of the collective going working towards a mutual goal and a mutual kind of target and it's something that So in my head, I thought one of the pros of freelance work, because once again, this is me being a weirdo, I guess, but the idea of that you're betting on yourself consistently and that you're not at the mercy of an employer. So you don't have to look at them and go like, I don't really respect the way you go about this, that and the other. So you kind of get to have total control on that process. But one thing that I've really enjoyed kind of as I've looked at your story more and more is that you found this really beautiful way of working with finding people that you respect whether it's someone like Anna who's been a long-term friend of yours or it's someone that you've met through freelancing like Nicola Slawson, and she has her fantastic newsletter and you guys have partnered up on life writing classes so how have you found this experience of learning to become not only a teacher through your life writing classes but also the idea of just finding people that you really respect and still being open to the idea of hey let's work together and work towards some common goal to look to have a positive impact through the work we're doing because it's something I really appreciate the fact that you've managed to do through freelancing.
1: Yeah you never do anything alone like even if I'm um, doing a client project like I have clients that I work with or my book I have an agent I have an editor I'm about to talk to the publicity person Um, so you never do anything alone ever Um, but I'm someone who enjoys teams and coordinating with people and working with people so yeah it's been great to connect with Anna you've mentioned and yeah Nicola's been really cool to work with we've had a great time Um, and again it's that thing of like being friends as well just makes it so much more fun um and I think I met up with her the other day for the first time in a while and um I don't think we talked about work really (laughs) at all oh we actually no, we did okay so we didn't explicitly talk about like oh our life writing classes what we're going to do next but we did talk about like I felt very creatively inspired after seeing her like I we talked about what we wanted to write about and who we want to pitch and and I felt yeah it energized me creatively um so it's really important to have these relationships with these people because no one's like an island. And it's, um, for me anyway, I'm someone who feeds off people. So, yeah, it's such a privilege to be able to, like, create your little mini teams. Um, and, yeah, you asked about my experience as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, I've always done teaching relating things. You know, I'm to go back to debating, I guess it was, uh, I, you know, trained up a lot of the young'uns, and I've always done stuff involving uh, yeah like teaching people how to do things and bringing people along on the the ride um and so i've always done that my mum was a teacher so maybe it's a family thing in there oh. um so yeah i love uh, i love it it's fun like you know it's it's another fun thing to do like podcasting um running life writing classes has been really fulfilling and when people launch newsletters and they send what they've done like that's it's really fulfilling and really enjoyable so um absolutely loved it
0: Oh, I'm glad I'm glad that's um yeah that's really nice to hear it's just yeah it was one thing that I was curious about because it's it almost feels like you've unapologetically created the life in terms of I want to work with people I'm going to go and do that it's once again there's like an element of courage and just self-awareness that I I found really endearing I loved it um but one thing that you're doing well there's two things that you're doing I do want to cover and I think The first is coaching, which is fairly new, I believe. And then also the recruit, the consultancy work that you're doing. So I'm going to leave this intentionally very open. But how have you found adding these new strings to your bow? And how have you found the journey of both coaching and now how are you feeling about going into consultancy work going forward?
1: So, um, Lightning speed history of my freelancing career is I started out as a freelance brand and communication consultant for startups. The work um, flew in pretty effortlessly (laughs) through my network. Um, Then during that time, I began to do more creative work like the writing and the podcast. Then COVID hit and um, it was really tough to find that work. It just dried up. I didn't get any government support or anything um, because of the way I'm set up. So um, I, yeah, it's kind of, kind of difficult, but then, you know, it meant I had more time to do the creative stuff. So there you go. Let's whack a positive <laughs> gift and opportunity out of it, but no, it's been tough. Um, and uh, I've very recently come up with a new way of being. So I trained as a coach, I started my training last year so I've been coaching people alongside my training um, for about a year now but it's still um, fresh in comparison to some of the other stuff I've been doing Um, and I am looking to build out coaching business but it's going to take it's going to take years I think Um, I'm very interested in coaching people who are entrepreneurs I love entrepreneurial energy I want to bring that startup experience I bring but I'm going to dial down the consulting work. Um, I find it uh, a bit bitty, like if I'm doing copywriting or, you know, recently I don't know what's happened, but I've had meetings, I've sent proposals, they've not got back to me. It's just not, something's not sticking the way it used to. Um, So I'm moving away from that work now and I just want to focus. So I've got a really exciting new opportunity where I get to use my coaching skills and I get to use, um, don't know. I guess yeah. My startup background as well, and 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 I've got this opportunity to become a recruiter. So as of today, uh, I'm now a recruiter. I've got my first um, job. I need to hire for, and that's still freelance. Like still working as independent contractor, but I have a really prestigious and amazing um, recruitment. Um, company but it's run by this woman I've known for years she's guiding me and running you know helping me work out what to do and literally on the call I was like no but what 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 do I actually do like so yeah so that's happening as of today so that's my new you know main revenue stream really and I'm really excited because it brings together all these different things and it gives me space to build up like I want to always keep coaching people like but maybe only just like one or two at a time and you know I don't it's such a it's such a complicated beast to become a coach but again like writing's a great part-time job coaching's a great part-time job recruitment's a great like flexible hours sort of job and and yeah it's it's I'm really excited so um yeah so so watch the space that so now I'm a recruiter <laughs> so that's my latest my latest thing um but I'm really hoping this is like the thing now like you know I've tried a lot of things recently um it's been tough and I'm just I just want some consistency in my life um I just don't want to look for work anymore I just want to do work like I spent a lot of the last year like looking for work it's and I think a lot of people I don't know why like maybe because of my newsletter or because of my creative work they just presume the other stuff has been really easy for me like people are a bit shocked when I'm like have you got any work going you know I might message someone on Instagram it's been really really hard and I'm just really excited to hopefully have um turn the corner a little bit and maybe be able to bring that balance up um financially and just have a bit of security in my life because it does get a bit exhausting so yeah so recruiter um here I here I come a woman Watch out world oh
0: yeah firstly (laughs) yes watch out world um just a woman of many talents it's um yeah I, I love it it's this idea of I can imagine like not looking for work and just having work is something that would be very welcomed. There's just something about you being consistently open to the idea of, I guess it's, I think it's mainly because we identify, there's a lot of people, once again, we speaking for everyone, but this idea of we have such strong identities attached to our work and who we are through our work. It's like, I work in look I say I work in social media because I've had to consciously drill that but it's not I've had to reframe the idea of I'm a social media manager to I work in social media because it can you can end up limiting yourself but there's just something so inspiring by looking at you and going that you're a writer a podcaster a recruiter a coach and all these different hats it's like you haven't limited yourself to potential opportunities and avenues for Not only employment, but just like skill sets in general. It's something that I find very inspiring and it's something I'm probably drawn to because of the idea of it just is symbolic once again of who you are, I think. This idea of resourcefulness and open mindedness that I'm um, there, I just really respect. We've spoken, we've said manifestation already, but this idea of as we look into the back end of 2021. And you look into, you know, the short period of time that will be when your memoir is live. I want to give you the opportunity to speak to what hopes or dreams or goals that you have as we hopefully look to the back end of this pandemic. With the world being more open, more freedom being introduced into our lives. Um, Kind of what hopes and goals and dreams do you have as you look forward now?
1: But for now, until the end, the next six months or so, just so I can
0: yeah, let's do six. get
1: a sense of my my time. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So the next six months to me, it's very much about settling, uh, finding a rhythm, calming down a bit because the last year or so has been really hectic for me, um, emotionally as well as actually. Like everything's felt very delicate. Um, so I'm really looking forward to being a bit more grounded. Um, I'm hopeful to build on my relationships so friendships and romantically um, I want to travel more I'm desperate to travel but for me what's holding me back is the financial side of things so um, hopefully that kicks off as well and it gets a bit more security there and I can just go away a bit more because I have the life to go away I can go wherever I want um, it's just about making the money the numbers add up so that's something I'm really excited about um, as the world hopefully reopens. But yeah, just getting grounded, as I said, like enjoying this time before the book comes out and, and finding my flow. Um, But yeah, I'm excited. I feel good about the future. How, how do you feel about it?
0: No, I'm, um, yeah, I'm the same. I, uh, you know, as an, I guess as the idea of transparency, I think, you know, when people ask you, like, where do you see yourself in five years? Or kind of, I had someone ask me about the podcast, it's like, what do you see the podcast being? like what's your like where do you see it going and I think the past year I've because of the lack of certainty and the changing in our rules and everything I just haven't thought of the future in ages and I'm a massive daydreamer so I catch myself daydreaming all the time prior to this so I always think about the future so it's been a little bit unsettling that idea of Bloody hell I can't even allow my conscious mind to get to the idea of like what I want. So I am feeling very hopeful. Um I can't wait to not fucking talk about corona ever again. Seriously. Like can't wait for that to be a memory that we all just remember and it's not like in the forefront of every conversation we have. Um Yeah, no, I'm very excited about the next 6 months, but yeah, I just think it's been very strange to That there's been a subconscious block of like no it's almost dangerous to think with a hopeful mind projecting forward for me so yeah I am I'm excited to daydream again about the future
1: Mm, that's nice yeah I I listened to something the other day that said one of the keys to happiness is to have something to look forward to and I think that's something we've all been robbed of in all sorts of different ways the last year or so so I think we're now tentatively looking forward to things and I think that's that's going to make us all feel better
0: completely agree so we've spoken about manifesting money in your life so Tiffany I want you to shamelessly plug everything that you've either got going on or ways to people to access you so they can drop off loads of money so you can go away (laughs)
1: <laughs> um the thing that would be most wonderful to do which is also free is to sign up to my newsletter the tiff weekly um i am on at tiff philippoos philippoos spelled with a ph on Instagram and I've got all the links to everything there but yeah just um just to follow my work and if you support it share it like that's that's kind of um it's it's important to me right now to get the word out there and um get my work out there and then yeah on the um on the sort of hustle side of things um yeah I'm a recruiter now for startups uh probably specializing um in sort of social media marketing creative roles so follow me And I'll announce what I'm looking for and maybe I can get your job somewhere. So that's uh, that's that's me with the hustle. But yeah, um, any support is always great. Awesome.
0: So people check out the show notes. I cannot recommend the TIFF Weekly enough. I love it. And yeah, I've been a fan of it for a while now. But yeah, it's truly fantastic. I love it. It's a great gift in the middle of the week. Um, So please, please check out the show notes and show Tiffany love and support through there. So Tiffany, these are the final four questions. Um, these are more grandioso life questions in general that I ask everyone. They're questions like, to be honest, you're the first person I'm admitting in this to. These are just four questions. I, The internal intrigue that I have for people, I just get to ask them very shamelessly in a podcast environment. So I'm just very excited to hear your answers to them. But question number one, if I was to give you a megaphone that spoke to the entire world and you could only share one message what would it be
1: um it would be um no impact you have on the world will compare to the impact you have on those closest to you
0: oh i'm a very big fan of that i love that that's such a great message um number two what's a personal struggle that you battle with that not many people may know about
1: I actually struggled with this because I don't experience too much day to day. I don't feel like I struggle, but that's, I'm sure that's not true. Um, I actually asked my (laughs) mum. I phoned a friend. (laughs) Um, she said asking for people what, for what you want in relationships, which is true. I know there's a very soft, vulnerable, scared side of me that perhaps maybe doesn't always come across um but yeah there is a side of me that despite all the debating training and the podcasting can be very scared of asking for what I want in certain contexts and I particularly struggle in relationship contexts um uh as in like a romantic relationship more than anything so yeah that's my uh that's my struggle
0: well if Tiffany's boo is listening to this for research just know give her the space okay so um number three what are three personality traits slash characteristics that you'd say you've built your life upon up to this point?
1: Definitely passion and drive. Um, is that one? Is that, or is that countless two? I don't know. Um, you get to I'd decide. Say honest... <laughs> There's definitely a passion and drive and energy there. That's, um, just always been there. Um, and honesty is a big one. Um, I think a lot of people relate to my content because it's, brutally honest and I want to say love like love of friendships love of people like for me that's honestly the most important thing uh and I, I don't know, I, I won't add another one because that's technique. if I did a bracket in that category like a love and kindness okay um, I like it you know so there's that difference again this is two sides to me I'm a German now, by the way <laughs>
0: Well, I love it. They're um they're fantastic and they feel very accurate, which probably speaks to honesty once again. Um, last question: Many years into the future, your time as Tiffany Philippou is coming to an end. The person closest to you only has one sentence to describe you and your time here on Earth. What would you hope that would be?
1: Um, she made me smile.
0: Aww. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah
1: humble ambitions from life you know like that's what i was saying like you know what are we going to be thinking about on our deathbeds like it's all stick to the important stuff but yeah
0: i love it tiffany thank <laughs> you so much for your time i really appreciate it this is a conversation i've been very excited slash nervous for because as you know i this is a confession again i feel like i i could message you every week saying i love this i love this i love this and i i have to exhibit restraint in not pestering you all the time by saying um how much of a fan i am of what you're doing um yeah i just wish you just so much good vibes good energy and just want i think this maybe is indicative of just how much respect i guess and how fantastic you are i just want whatever you want for yourself to happen and to come to reality so thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it
1: Thank you. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much. That's no problem. Bye, everyone. Bye.